Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. These days it seems like we can hardly pick up a newspaper or magazine or turn on the radio or TV news without facing some sort of coverage of the U.S. presidential election. As the pundits on the extremes tell the story, our country's potentially electing the wrong candidate is cause for great anxiety. Of course, each of the two candidates would have us think that he is the right choice and that his election would be of great comfort. Either way, depending on one's political leanings, the outcome of the election will likely cause anxiety or comfort. This morning, not a newspaper or news magazine, not the radio or TV, but St. Paul's divinely inspired letter to the Romans speaks of election. Although this election is of a different sort, it is nevertheless also one that can cause anxiety or comfort. In his letter to the Romans, this teaching about election comes after St. Paul had already laid out both how all people are sinful and need God's righteousness, and how God freely gives that needed righteousness by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So, St. Paul then turned to the believer's life in that righteousness, including how the Holy Spirit active in us leads to a struggle between our sinful and redeemed natures, and how that struggle is just part of the suffering that God has us endure in this world on the path to eternal glory. In this very context, St. Paul preaches that no one can bring any charge against God's elect, his chosen, those whom he has foreknown, predestined, called, justified, and glorified. Paul's and our Lord Jesus Christ himself had taught about the elect and their election. The best known passage from the gospel accounts may be Jesus' words that many are called, but few are chosen. Or put another way, God wants to save all people, but not all end up being saved. When Jesus says those words, he intends to cause some anxiety urging people to respond to his call to faith. When St. Paul writes about election and God's call, he intends to comfort, explaining that those God foreknows he predestines or marks out beforehand to be conformed to the image of his Son by working all things together for good for that purpose. Sadly, people often misunderstand and misuse Jesus' and Paul's teaching about election. One misunderstanding that we should clear up right away is that while God knows in advance what will happen to both the godly and the ungodly, his knowing what will happen in and of itself does not cause it to happen. Similarly, while God knows in advance what will happen to the godly and the ungodly, God's election applies only to the godly, not to the ungodly. 
In other words, God does not cause unbelievers to be damned, but their sin is the cause of their damnation. Sin caused by the devil and caused by their own perverted wills. Such misunderstandings about election can lead people to misuse the teaching about election for false security and impenitence. People can wrongly think that once they are saved, they are always saved and can never fall away from the faith. And people can wrongly think that they do not need to repent or to believe because either they are saved or not saved so that nothing that they do matters in the end. Similarly, people can misuse the teaching about election for anxiety and despair. When people see their own weaknesses, they can have anxiety thinking that they are not elected to salvation. And people can wrongly despair that they are not among God's elect when in fact they are. Did you read the book or see the movie The Wizard of Oz? Do you remember how Dorothy and her friends discovered that behind the image of the wizard there was just a frightened little man pulling levers? Then they were able to learn the wizard's real character to understand how he worked. People want to do something similar with God and the teaching of his foreknowledge and predestination. But ultimately, some parts of God are hidden. We can only know God as he reveals himself to us in his Son, Jesus Christ. Our fallen human reason and logic wants to find parallel situations and deduce wrongly that if God elects and predestines some to salvation, then he must likewise elect and predestine others to damnation. Or our reason wants to deduce wrongly that if people are responsible for their own damnation, then people are responsible for their own salvation, by themselves choosing to believe or by God's predestining them to believe or to be saved because he knows that they will believe. But God's revealed word makes clear to us that God alone is responsible for people's salvation and that people alone are responsible for their damnation. The Bible's teaching about election has no sense of enslavement to fate, a mischaracterization of true Christian teaching, but an accurate characterization of some non-Christian false teaching. The 1980 pop song, Free Will, by the Canadian rock group Rush, who played in Austin this past spring, taps into this mischaracterization of Christian teaching and the accurate characterization of non-Christian teaching. But one thing that songwriter Neil Peart of Rush has right is that, quote, blame is better to give than receive. At least from our fallen human perspective, Blame is better to give than receive. People would rather blame God for their fate in life than take responsibility for that fate themselves. By nature, you and I do not want to be told that we are sinful and responsible for our own damnation or that we have no part in our salvation. We want to probe the hidden parts of God 
and we misuse the teaching about election, either to have false security and impenitence or to have anxiety and despair. God calls us to repent from these and all of our sins of thought, word, and deed, from our failures to love him and from our failures to love our neighbors as ourselves. When we turn in sorrow from our sins and trust the Father to forgive us for Jesus' sake, we are, in fact, forgiven of all of our sins. In the great heavenly courtroom, there could be countless charges against us, but as we have heard in the epistle reading today, no one can bring any charges against God's elect. From today's Old Testament reading, we hear that because the Lord loves us, He has redeemed us. In the epistle reading, we hear how God is for us, and we hear how God redeemed us by not sparing his own son, but by giving him up for us all. God buys us as the treasure in the field of the gospel reading, or as the pearl of great price. Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised from the dead to save us from our sins. The Father loved us so much that he delivered his own Son over to death on the cross. And now the Father also gives us whatever is necessary to bring to fulfillment the work that was begun at the cross. God foreknows and predestines us, and he calls us to faith. And through faith, God justifies us by forgiving our sins. As St. Paul writes elsewhere to the Ephesians, God chose us in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world, and in love he predestines us. Paul says further that in Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of God's grace. When we repent and believe, God forgives our trying to probe his hidden parts and our misusing the teaching about election. He forgives all our sins, whatever our sins might be. God calls us to faith through his means of grace, his resistible word and sacraments. In the epistle reading, Paul tells us that those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he, Jesus the son, might be the firstborn among many brothers. Jesus is the first and supreme elect child of God, But through the sacrament of holy baptism, we also are made God's children, as the water and the word work forgiveness of sins, deliver us from death and the devil, and give eternal salvation. We who are baptized also come at God's bidding through his ministers to the sacrament of the altar, a foretaste of the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom that has no end, receiving here and now in Christ's body and blood forgiveness, life, and salvation. God's sacraments are a seal of God's promises to us, confirming his promises to each of us individually. The Formula of Concord, one of the Lutheran confessions, in its article on election in this regard, points especially to individual absolution, by which we are as truly reconciled with God as if we had heard a voice from heaven. 
as God's word and sacraments bring us into Christ, we are most properly foreknown, predestined, and elect. We can be sure of it. There is no doubt. In God's word and sacraments, God does not deceive, but he reveals his will and he affects it, calling us, justifying us, and ultimately glorifying us. Think for a moment of the crosses, afflictions, sufferings, and trials that you face in your life. Job loss, illness, your own or a loved one's, marital troubles, whatever they might be, before the world began, God in his counsel knew through which specific crosses he would conform us to the image of his son. Those specific afflictions work together for the good of us who love God. For God calls us according to that purpose, that we be conformed to his son. That son suffered all, even death on the cross, en route to glory. So we who are being conformed to Christ's pattern should expect the same. Even as St. Paul quotes the psalm verse about the sheep going to slaughter in order to show that suffering has always been the experience of God's holy and chosen people. We conquer all things through the one who loves us and is interceding for us. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, death, life, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, who created those things. Those things do not separate us from his love. Instead, those trials work together under God's control to carry us along toward our ultimate goal as God's elect. For the sake of his elect, Jesus says that the final great distress will be cut short. The final great distress, when false Christs and false prophets will perform their own signs and miracles, trying to deceive the elect, if that were possible. When that end comes, that cutting short, God's angels will gather the elect from the ends of the earth, separating the righteous from the evil, as fishermen separate good fish gathered by a dragnet into containers and throw away the bad. Until that last day, when we are finally and fully glorified, we who are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, as St. Paul writes to the Colossians, put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven us. As we hear in the news, the upcoming U.S. presidential election may cause anxiety or comfort. But anxiety or comfort, no doubt either, will be short-lived and of no real eternal consequence. 
However, the Bible's teaching of election that we have reflected on this morning has eternal consequences and is intended not for our anxiety, but for our comfort. The teaching of God's electing us in Christ Jesus is a fountain of rich comfort, even as we hear that suffering and death are the path to glory. Lest we probe too far into God's inscrutable will, let us join St. Paul in the doxology to which he is led later in Romans. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways! For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.